Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. of The Sober Effect. Today we're going to talk about the effects that alcohol and sobriety can have on children. And this doesn't mean that we're just going to talk about how kids deal with seeing their parents drink too much, but, you know, that will be a part of it. But I think Steph and I are also really interested in how kids can change when they see parents choose sobriety. Yeah, I mean, that is really what I got out of this conversation with our guest that we had on, we had Kim from Sober is the New Cool. I really thought it was going to go in the direction of what harm we've done to our kids. And while we did touch on that, it was really interesting to hear because Kim's 10 years out. She quit drinking when her kids were young teenagers, like we have now, Kate. And it was really kind of cool to see in 10 years, how much her sobriety has affected the way they view alcohol, which I'm sure you agree with me is my hopes for my daughter is that my sobriety changes the way she views alcohol. Oh, I mean, it's a huge relief, isn't it? When you hear Kim talk about the fact that her not drinking doesn't just affect her kids, their friends are also choosing to do dry January and then on to February, they talk about it with her. They talk about the dangers of drinking and the fact that it's just spoken about. I mean, as you say, no one ever talked about this kind of stuff when I was growing up drinking was something that you got to do when you're older and and even that phrase is terrifying to me now because it makes it sound like a treat and of course I then went through life thinking of it as a treat and it just isn't it's damaging and it's dangerous but when you grow up and they set a kind of age limit and it's like when you hit 18 you will be allowed to do this it puts it on a pedestal mm-hmm. and you can't help but think you know if you've been dreaming about this thing I'm finally old enough to do it who's gonna think well I don't want to do it yeah I mean I even had a conversation with my daughter about it she said to me one day so when I turn 21 you probably won't want to come to my my 21st birthday party because you don't drink and I was like that has nothing what are you to planning do on doing? <laughs> right but that's the and I so then I had to like press her on that I'm like well, why do you think you need to drink just because you're turning 21? And and that's the thing. It was in her head because we've had several conversations where she is choosing not to drink at 14 and she doesn't foresee wanting to drink. But then she's like, you know what? I feel like a hypocrite now that you said that because she goes, I have told you I don't need to drink to have fun. But I think it's because that's what everyone does when they turn 21 is they go out and they drink. And I just figured that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's so scary when you think of it that way. Like that's where everyone's head is. Like that's what you're supposed to do. It's really scary. And it's scary when you think that these little people on a Friday or Saturday night are going around and all the grownups have a drink in their hands, you know, or at least the way I was living before I stopped drinking, every social event on the weekend that my kids came to with me, I would have a glass of wine and so would everyone else. They would know we would get a taxi home. And what's that telling them? 
it's it's a really tricky one and it's a really hard conversation to have because the guilt around drinking around your children to me has been one of the biggest things to get my head around but but I also think that's why it's so important to talk about this I've let go of all of that guilt and actually what I found is that by being a person who my kids have seen drinking and then stopping drinking, I have taught them a huge lesson. You know, it has completely changed their view on alcohol because they're saying, mum, I think you are so cool for not drinking. So in their heads, they're now associating not drinking with being cool. They're so proud of me that I'm changing that narrative, that perception of what alcohol is. And hopefully by the time they do get old enough to drink, they might go, this is already set in my head. I know alcohol's bad for you. So instead of just going, well, my parents do it, they're going to at least give it some thought. And I think that's what's huge about our sobriety, because like you, my parents drank. I witnessed drinking. They made it look fun. They did have fun. I, I don't remember drinking being a negative thing growing up. It always looked fun. The adults all drank and I don't want to blame them, but in a sense, when your, your parents do it and it seems okay. Yeah. At 14, I had no problem doing it. So I'm like, my parents do it, but they always did it responsibly where now here I was a parent. I don't feel that I was as responsible as they were. I think I was a little more um, loose with it. Are you ever responsible though, if you're drinking when you've got a young child in the house, oh. because you cannot get in your car and drive them to the hospital if something's wrong. Oh. And that was the one thing that always stuck in my head. What happens if they need to go to the hospital immediately and I can't drive them. And while we're waiting for the ambulance, they die because I've been drinking. I mean, those thoughts did go through my head. I know that we can't just sit here looking over them at night while they sleep, worrying about no. them. But at the same time, it's not ideal, is it, to be a bottle of wine in on a Wednesday night when you've got to get up and get your kids to school. And, and let's face it, kids get sick in the night, they wet the bed, whatever happens through the ages of children, you've got to be there. And, you know, I've always been there I've never sort of said I'm not going upstairs because I'm drinking but I certainly haven't been as with it as I would like to have been I mean there's times I would wake up in the morning and not even remember bedtime routine getting her to bed and you yeah. wake up and you have that panic of okay did I put her to bed is she in bed where you know like you start yeah. looking around like for clues you go check yeah. on them oh, yeah. what a way to live right now I hope my daughter sees a contrast of too much to not at all and sees that it's just easier to not consume it at all because it is a slippery slope and it's really hard to only have one. And we know that's generational too. Most likely she's going to have the same yeah. problem as I had. We don't realize the effects that it's having when, when kids watch our actions and they notice the way that you talk, the way that you walk. And, they, and I know they notice it because since I stopped drinking, my children have said, you're so different and it's so much nicer. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you that. Have you noticed a difference in their behavior or are there things that you've noticed change since you've gotten sober for the better? I think I'm a lot calmer and I've got more time for them in the evenings because I'm not rushing back to a bottle of wine. There's definitely less arguments between my husband and me because we're not both drinking. It's definitely got better and they trust me and that's a huge thing. They know they can rely on me that I will always be able to pick them up 
and then I'll always be there for them and I'm never ever going to be drunk again so they won't ever have to come and try and shake me awake or make me a coffee before I can even get up what about you I noticed patience has just been huge and it was like the first thing I realized is how impatient I always was with Adeline because it was always like hurry up hurry up hurry up I always wanted to get shit done so that I can move on to drinking Cause I would start drinking pretty early. I didn't, I don't work. So I would start drinking like three, four o'clock in the afternoon when my husband would get off work. So I was always in this rush with her to like, if I needed to help her with homework, if I needed to help her with anything, like let's get it done. Yeah. It's really sad, but I also noticed she trusts me now. I feel like she comes to me and talks to me a lot more than she ever used to. And I feel like I have the energy in the space for her to do that now because I have the time and I'm not distracted by happy hour coming up and things like that. And I feel like as a person, she's changed. It's hard to like put it into words, but like, she's just really matured. And even my mother-in-law came in town recently and made a comment. And she, she said, Adeline's different, but in a good way. And she goes, and I, And I want to say it's because of your sobriety. And it felt so good for her to acknowledge that. I think by being a solid foundation, it's like anything. If you build a house or you build a community or you're building a business, your foundation needs to be rock solid. It needs to be reliable and you need to trust it. And if you've got that, you can let your kids go off because they know they can call you if they need to or they can come back to you. And the fact that you've noticed that your daughter's changing, maybe she always has changed that much, but you didn't pick up on it because you just weren't as alert and aware. Right. Um, and again, it's sad, but I'm a real believer in what has been has been. There is no point in dwelling on the past. And when I say there's no point, there literally is no point. What are you going to do? You cannot change it no matter how much you want to. It's done. But tomorrow is the past of the future and we can change that and to me that's all that matters now and I go to bed feeling so much prouder of myself I know they're proud of me and that's enough for me and I'm not going to beat myself up that I didn't give up alcohol when my kids were born I'd just done nine months carrying them I should have carried on I didn't but you know what that's okay I can live with it the being proud part it's like the best Adeline told me in health class they were talking about alcohol teaching them how bad it is for you and all of that. And she told me she raised her hand and she told her teacher that her mom is sober. Now, what freshman in high school, I would have never, I would have been so (laughs) embarrassed to say something like that because that was the stigma back then. And we talk about that with Kim in in this episode is there was a stigma even 10 years ago. If you had a drinking problem, it was a family secret. Like it was a, you keep that behind closed doors don't talk Mm -hmm. about it. It's shameful. You can't handle your alcohol. You, 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 you are the problem. And we need to change that narrative for the next generation. And that's why it's so important for accounts like ours, for this podcast to show everyone that it is not something to be ashamed of. It is something to conquer and be proud of. So we're going to talk to Kim today, who set up Sober is the New Cool. Um, She was literally hot off the catwalk when we caught her. She's been at the Break Free New York Fashion Week. When I got sober, I started downloading loads of podcasts because they really helped me. And Kim was one of the guests. I 
followed her on Instagram and she followed me back and I sent her a message and she replied. And honestly, it was like the most famous person in the world responding to me. And I was just amazed. And she has been so encouraging and supportive to me through this last year of sobriety. And I'm so excited we got her on the show. Me too. So let's hear more from Kim on why she set up Sober is the New Cool. I was like, you know, I mean, I thought I was living quite a nice life, you know, doing the, you know, you know the mother uh, class mom at school, all that nonsense. My mm-hmm. son, Matthew, was in football. My son, Jack, played golf. And my son, Matthew, from one day to the next, got sick. He started having seizures. At first, we thought it was caused by his football and concussion. And um, little did we know he was going to be full on epileptic. And he would have huge seizures, like grandma's seizures. And How old was so, he when this started? 13. Oh, wow. So from going playing football five nights a week to I wouldn't let him ride a bicycle because I was so afraid of what happens if he was going to have a seizure while he was riding a bike. You know, life was just terrible. And then we got to the point where he started taking medication. And then they said, basically... He could maybe grow out of it, but likelihood he would be on medication for the rest of his life. He was on his pills and everything was kind of getting back to kind, well, normal, whatever, no seizures. And I said, you've got to start seeing your friends. You can't, you know, hide out. And, um, so I, I started to bring him places in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, 40 minutes. He'd call me and say, come and get me. I'd say, Matthew. So the third time I said, no, no, no. This, this, something's wrong. And he said, everybody drinks. I don't fit in. Everybody's doing drugs. And I said, Matthew, you don't need booze to have fun. And as I said it, I had the biggest glass of wine in my hand. And I just went, wow, you are such a hypocrite. So that minute I just said, I'm going to stop drinking for three months. And three months came and went. And that's when I said, okay, I'll do another three months. And it was 10 years in January that I never had another drink Again, the life I thought that I had that was good, which it was okay. I was living half a life as opposed to living a full life without alcohol. Because alcohol is just not good for me. I, you know, it's just not. It's not about can you have five or can you have 10 and stop or one. It's about being healthy, right? Because people are getting sick every single day with all kinds of stuff. So, you know, and I know when I was 40, I was working for a cancer fundraising event and they were saying then that you would be more likely to get breast cancer if you drank more than two drinks a week. But nobody, you know, you sleep, sweep it under the rug, right? It's you don't want to see the ugliness. You don't want to see. Um, and you know what? In the end, it's so much better not drinking. Like you wake up, you're fresh, you're, you're awake. My 27-year-old did dry January with eight boys. They were all 27, 28, 30. They all did it. And they all said, they were going, look at my eyes. They're so white. Like, can you imagine? And, and they're not drinkers. Like, they're not big drinkers. But mm-hmm. they were, they're into health. And now they're saying, last night they went out for the Super Bowl. They were drinking zero beer. Like, how great. And he said, we realized we don't, you know, it was, just as much fun. I think younger people are so much more into their health. And I don't know whether it's because they've watched their parents drinking 
and they think I do not want to do that. I mean, my son is is 14 and he's just joined a gym. And I'm thinking, I never, I didn't know anyone who went to the gym. And he said to me, mum, you either vape and you do drugs or you're into your health. Those are the two different paths you take. And I was like, well, I'm just so glad you've taken this path. But he he doesn't want to drink. I mean, he said, I'll drink sometimes, but I just don't want to. I don't understand the benefits of it. And I just think that is so far removed from how I grew up thinking everyone was thinking, I cannot wait to have a drink. I cannot wait to be like my parents, to go to these sophisticated places and drink cocktails. They look so fancy, you know, all these different colors, the fancy glasses. And it's there's definitely a shift. It's just out there more, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I speak about it at home because my kids know and they go around telling their friends, my mum's sober, and their friends are like, what? Why are you telling me that? But they're yeah. so proud. Um, yes. They're so proud and they're so aware. But my kids have seen me, you know, passed out on the sofa and they've heard me slurring and things like that. So they're relieved as well as proud. Um, but the effects that that drinking has on children cannot be underestimated. Um, and it's funny, Kim, because you immediately knew what you had to do. And it's people can say to you, you might get cancer if you drink and you think, well, I'm still going to drink. But as soon as you think it's going to affect one of your kids, that's it. It's like, yeah. right, action plan. My biggest fear when I got sober was that my daughter was going to end up being a heavy drinker like her mom and dad was like my biggest fear after like the reality set in of what I exposed her to. And I had a conversation with her and it was a really hard conversation to have. There were things that she said that were really hard to hear, but at the end, she told me she has no interest in drinking right now as a teenager. She said, I know people who drink mom and I don't see the point why drink? You don't need to drink to have fun. I have fun all the time without drinking. And to hear that was just, it was like this huge relief for me knowing that, okay, my sobriety is making a difference for her. Like she does see the, because she's 14. So she yeah. grew up, we had the party house. She's an only yeah. child. She didn't, she didn't hang out with kids. She hung out with drunk adults. Like I'm going to be brutally honest. She hung out with drunk adults. I'm so grateful that I got sober when I did because she can see the contrast. She can, yeah. she can remember mom as a heavy drinker. And now she sees me as not one. And it's funny because her friends are like invested as well in my sobriety. There is so many of them that follow my sober Instagram. They uh -huh. root me on constantly. It's adorable. And it makes me feel good though. Cause I'm like, I wish I had someone like this when I was 14, yes. when I was 14, that's when I started drinking. That's when I cared what other people thought. That's when I wanted to be popular. And my daughter was like, I just, I just want to get through school. Someone in my family last year at Christmas time finally said they weren't going to drink anymore. And all like the, my nephews and nieces and my kids went high five and said, way to go. That's so cool. You're going to be so healthy. You're going to, I was like, like a headspin with like, I, wow, they, and they, it wasn't like a split second where they were all saying congratulations. And they thought it was cooler than cool that that person said they weren't drinking and not to offer them any booze or, and they were like putting the boundary out there as soon as they walked in. And I thought, 
it is changing. It's finally changing where you don't have to be shy. You don't have to be embarrassed. And that's just proof of the influence, you know, that other people have. I certainly never met any adults who spoke about alcohol being bad. I can't remember any who didn't drink. You know, maybe there were a few kind of Muslim families or something who I remember not drinking because of religion. But people who chose not to drink, certainly no one ever said to me, be careful. But the fact that our kids, I mean, the, the situation you just described around the dinner table... That says it all. And that is so exciting because they've heard you talk about the benefits of not drinking. It's sunken in. They now understand. They've seen with their own eyes what happens to someone when they stop drinking. It's all positive. So they're already associating sobriety with a good, healthy lifestyle change. And that is incredible. That would never have happened 10 years ago because people weren't talking about it. They felt ashamed and the peer pressure well the the whole shame thing and I think it's like a generational thing as well like my mom when I first told her that I was getting sober I think that there was a little shame there because she's like well you didn't have a problem you know she instantly wanted to like protect me and and said well you didn't have a problem but the thing is is I did have a problem it was a problem for me I had horrible anxiety my mental health was really bad my physical health was going downhill Um, just, it was a problem for me internally. And I think that's the reason why we all have to keep talking about it because you get all these people that want to judge you or are ashamed of it, of their own drinking habits. And you're, you're a reflection of that. Maybe you drink like they drank. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, like, if you think you have a problem, then I have a problem and we got to get rid of the shame because there's no shame in it. It is an addictive substance. No one is supposed to be able to control it. But yet that's the narrative. And I think that was the narrative with a whole nother generation of, you know, don't talk about it. If you can't handle it, then you take care of that behind a closed door. If you can't hang with the rest of us, don't, don't talk about it because we don't want to hear it. And it's still a narrative. I think in, in like my generation, I know my husband deals with it with a lot of the people he drinks with. But we have to change that. And I think our kids are rec- seeing it that way because we're speaking out. We're not hiding it. We're talking about it. It just empowers them because they look to us. They look to us on what to do. And so, yeah, the shame, I love that that's going away. I love that, you know, your family celebrated that person. It's amazing. It feels so good to say, I'm, I'm, I want to do something positive for myself. And then you get a positive response instead of, oh, well, why would you do that? You didn't have a problem. Yeah. I, I, it's probably my biggest pet peeve in my sobriety because people saying that to me is what held me back for years of not quitting drinking. Cause anytime I brought it up that I felt it was a problem. And then someone would say, Oh, you don't have a problem. Just moderate. I would just go, you know what I mean? I just felt like I was crazy, but obviously this is way better. Don't you find also like for me, I know I always thought, well, I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I should have done this. I should have done that. And the alcohol was kind of like that, like liquid courage um, to give me that self-confidence, to make me feel like I could do more. I could be more, which I never did. And now that I'm sober, even though this past week, I have to say, I kept thinking, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to do this? Oh, a little shot of vodka would help so much. And then I thought, how stupid is that? I'm 10 years in, and that was the thing that I thought, 
would help me. And I knew, I knew deep down inside it wouldn't, but it still came, you know, like. It does give you that courage for, for a split second, but it also gives you so many other yeah. traits that are not you. You don't know when to cut in. You say things that are inappropriate. You become loud, you become sloppy. Now, it's weird, isn't it? Because you think I need courage to be my lovely self, but it doesn't, it then makes you louder, but it makes you into someone else. So you end up being the center of attention as someone you don't want to be. And if you actually stop and think about that, it's crazy to use alcohol for that reason, especially if you can't just have one, because you then end up mortified because you weren't yourself. You might've had confidence for 10 minutes, but then what yeah. did it turn into? It turns into a monster. And then you've got to take responsibility for that. And then to deal with that shame and humiliation, you feel like you've got to drink to escape. And it is literally like a tumbleweed. It's especially when you start at a young age as well, 14. Yeah. And, you know, you're already insecure and then you're using alcohol to help yeah. you. You know, it becomes a huge crutch, which is why I think it took me so long to finally let it go because I've never learned how to do anything without it. I've never learned how to have courage or, you know, socialize because I'm very shy and introverted, believe it or not. I am. I'm actually better without it now. Yeah. But, exactly. you know, I thought I needed it because I started using it so young. And I think that's key. That's why we need to show these kids like you are amazing without it. Let their brains like develop without this crutch of alcohol and, and needing that to just get through life because so many of us got stuck in that. Yeah. And, and why do we want to be like everybody else anyway? Exactly. Like, I need to be me. And by being me, you, you can like me or you don't. That's okay too. But at least I'm authentic. And at least I'm like standing up for who I am and what I believe in. And everybody's got great qualities. That's what makes this world a great place. So why yeah. are we not embracing that individuality and inclusivity okay. to everyone to be who they are? You're so right. Actually, I've got a question for you, Kim, about, because you, you must get contacted by a lot of sort of the younger generation. I mean, I get messages sometimes from people in their early 20s sort of saying they stopped drinking and I have so much admiration for them. Have you dealt with a lot of kids who are already struggling with alcohol in like their early 20s? Have you met a lot of people like that? What do you think the, the cause is? Do you think it's society? Do you think it's peer pressure? The anxiety, the anxiety of fitting in and this, this whole world of pretense that like the whole world is going on private jets and having Louis Vuitton handbags and makeup artists coming to their house and doing their hair and then all this nonsense, you know, and, and unrealistic worldview, like the way yeah. they're portraying everybody else's life. And they don't feel like their life is as important. What are you talking about? This is TV. This is a movie. This is not yeah. what life is. And to me, anybody that tries at 20, 30, 40, 50, I mean, I have women at 80 that have stopped drinking. So to me, anybody that does it, whether you're young or old, bravo, like just embrace it. Whatever they're doing, I'm just so proud, whether they're 20 or they're 80, and they're deciding to get a life and, and a good life.
and a life they deserve. And I think that's the most important thing that they need to know. Because I think that's the problem. They don't really think they're worthy of that, right? Self-destruction is is how I see my drinking, absolutely. Um, but something I wanted to talk about was, was the guilt you feel as a parent Oof. when you drink and you have young kids, because it's something that's really hard to talk about. And I did a, a live um, chat with someone recently and we talked about this. And, you know, I was saying, you know, I used to avoid bedtime stories because I'd want to go downstairs and open some wine. Now, that is a really hard thing to admit, but I'm admitting it because it's true. And it's really important for me to be honest with myself, because that's the kind of thing that makes me realize how dangerous alcohol is. It's not just dangerous because I might fall down and get hit by a car or hurt myself. It's taking the most precious time of my life away from me and my children because I want to go downstairs and sit on the sofa and drink wine that is how powerful alcohol is and the guilt in the morning was tearing me apart I'd wake up every morning hating myself have you experienced things like that two things that happened uh when Matthew first started taking his medication we started seeing different therapists just to get through the the anxiety and the depression of not playing sports and everything that because football for him was he loved that was his love it's the only thing that made him feel important and I remember we were in a, a psychiatrist's office and they said we're you guys are going to talk to one another and Matthew said I don't know what to say so I said okay I'll go first and the first thing that came out of my mouth was I feel like I am a failure as a mother and to this day when I say it it's hard because I remember just the tears, those big tears going down my, my face. And he said, no, mom, that's not true. But the, the psychotherapist at the hospital had said to me when we first met going through the meds, she said, oh, you're a working mother. And I said, I'm not a working mother. I, I, I'm home. I party house was my, the kids brought all their friends, the sleepovers, the barbecues, the swimming pool. It was constantly. And she said, well, you obviously missed something along the line. And I realized, but I love this woman to this day. This doctor is, I admire her. She gave me back my life. And at that point, I realized I wasn't out of control. I wasn't living underneath a bridge. But you know what? The wine sitting on the couch, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in my own home. And my son was being bullied. There was a bunch of different stuff that was going on at the same time. And, you know, I, I had to sit back and go, wow, wow. You know, like I thought I was doing such a great job. And, and, and I don't think she shamed me. I, I, she, that was not her intention at all. I think she was just giving me a reality check. And, and, and to be better, to, to be better. And, and, you know, I, to this day, I, I am grateful for those two things that happened in my life because I really had to take a long, hard look at what I thought. And, you know, I thought I was a, a great mom and I, I don't think I was a shitty mother. I mean, but there were things that obviously I could have done better. And, and now I'm trying to do better. And that's it, right? And you have to admit those things. Even right now, my stomach's hurting by admitting that again, you know, because, and that was like 
12 years ago when I said I felt like I was a failure as a mother. And I did. I honestly did. I thought, how did I not see all these things that were happening around me? How did I not see it? You got to admit it. If you're going to get past it, or if you want to be at peace with yourself, you have to let go of what you did and, and, you know, accept it. And even if it's so hard today, it's, it's a good reminder of where I never want to be again. Exactly. Yeah. And I think for me, more my mom shame comes in with the drinking is I had fertility issues. I had a really hard time getting pregnant with my daughter and it was all I ever wanted, right. was to have her. And then I have her and I couldn't wait to get back to drinking. And to be honest with you guys, there's a lot of things I just don't remember about her being little and all of that. Like when I think back, you know, I quit breastfeeding early because the having to keep track of, okay, have I drank too much? Do I need to like, you know, pump and dump right now? Like, what do I need to do? It was just easier. You know what? I would make an excuse. She's a big baby. I'm not producing enough. I would just tell people what I needed to say to make an excuse. And, you know, saying that out loud, even right now is just, I feel horrible because I wanted her so bad. And then that's what I did when I got her is I, I like basically drank it away and all the memories and all the things to, you know, that you want to have with your child. It's just, it's really a hard reality for me to accept because yeah, she's 14. So I got sober when she was 13, but we can only, like you said, Kim, we can only start now and make up for it now. And I feel like my daughter and I are so extremely close. And I think to myself, maybe it's not as bad as I have portrayed it in my head. And I think probably for both of you as well, like, I think we're a little hard on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, what a gift to give them now that they have, like they can trust us. They can feel safe around us again. Yeah. Just all of those things. And we're showing them that like there are endless possibilities. And I keep saying it because the things that have happened to me in the last 10 years, I keep going, this would never have happened had I kept drinking. It wouldn't, it just would have been impossible. Like the, the, the relationships I have and, you know, when you, it's, it's, it's just mind blowing to me what I was capable, what I'm capable of doing without it, as opposed to what I thought, you know, that I needed the booze to be able to talk in public or do something or, I, you know, all these fundraisers I used to do when I was 40 and 50. I would like literally have two martinis before I'd get there because I was so paranoid. The whole room wasn't perfect. Nothing was perfect. It was going to, something was going to go wrong. And I never enjoyed the moments of all those years. And they Mm -hmm. were all great because in the end it all worked out, but I missed so much of the evening being so paranoid and the booze actually, like you say, the first 10 minutes, brought it down and then my anxiety would just and then it was like what's wrong here what's this what's that and looking for the bad instead of look like now I look for the the good and it's so much bigger than having a bloody glass of wine you know (laughs) it's so much bigger than having a bloody glass of wine and and that is why when you get sober, you get so excited to encourage other people yeah because I certainly had no idea how 
huge the change would be in a positive way when I stopped drinking. I was scared. I felt alone. I thought I'd be bored. I thought I'd be boring. And the complete opposite has happened. And that's why when you hear someone say, I'm thinking about stopping, you just go, oh amazing because you know what's in store for them you know that they're going to suddenly become the best version or at least a better version of themselves and that guilt will go and it'll be replaced with pride I think what it is for me mostly is I want to give them what I found and I think the world will be a better place no like definitely we're all nice to one another and and can be open and honest about who we are and then Everyone's going to say, okay, I am cool, or I am nice, or I am smart, or I am funny, or I am artistic, or I am unique. Be you. That's it. I mean, I think that is a great message, what Kim says there at the end. And that really is a representation of what Sober is the New Cool is all about. It really is. And, and you know what? It, it, this conversation fills me with hope. Because, you know, as Kim said, they're interested in sobriety. They're cheering adults on who are stopping drinking. It's just so exciting. And I just think if this keeps moving and growing in momentum, we are going to see real change. I find it amazing that this woman is such an inspiration to the younger generation. I mean, how cool is that to have someone like Kim as a resource 10 years in sober, she's done it. She's proven that it is way better for you. Let's be our authentic selves. It's so much creativity that's not getting tapped into because we start drinking because we just want to just be like everyone else. It's true. And, you know, we have to be the role models, you know, coming back to children. We are our children's role models. Mm -hmm. And we have noticed in ourselves that we aren't our true selves when we drink. You know, that's one of the big things I hear. How will I go out and have fun if I'm not drinking because I use it as a mask? And the truth is, why? Why would you want to put a mask on every time you go out? You shouldn't. You should be able to find things that make you happy without taking a mind-altering drug that changes your personality. Now, if we're noticing that, our children who have grown up in our arms, standing by our knees, watching, looking up, watching everything, learning how to do everything, they are going to be able to tell when we are altered, when we are not ourselves. And that is a hard thing to take in, but it is true. Yeah. And I mean, just being that inspiration and setting that example that we can do hard things because they know that this has been a challenge for us to get sober because we're very open with our kids. You and I both are very open about our sobriety. We have never once hid any parts of it because I think it is important for a child to watch their mother overcome a hardship and to flourish in it and to see that courage and it inspires them. And we don't realize how closely they're watching, but it is such an inspiration to see, you know, your mom, your parent doing something so amazing, setting a goal and accomplishing it. It just motivates them to want to do the same in life. I found myself a lot recently looking back and thinking, do I wish I could have always drunk moderately? Do I wish I was like that? And I think, do you know what? I'm only here because I had a problem with drink and I am so much stronger because I have managed to get through that storm. You know, I didn't stay in that storm. 
and put up a huge tent and crawl inside it and carry on. I fought my way through those blizzards and those gales and I've come out the other side and it's sunny and I want to tell everyone about what I have achieved. I got through that. Look at it. I got through it and I'm mm -hmm. so proud of it. And that has made me who I am today. So, you know, a lot of people say all of the addictions, all the different types, whether it's pills, whether it's drugs, whether it's smoking, whether it's drinking, the fact we've gotten through it and we've woken up and we've been strong enough, that is something to show the world. And most importantly, our kids, that you can overcome these things. Addictions are awful, but you can get out with support and with help and with the right frame of mind. You can. Cheers, Steph. Bye, Kate. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.